0: I said, well, who's going to fill up this wall? And they said, nobody. There's nobody else doing water bottles. And it just hit me in the back of my head. It came out my mouth. I said, I will. I will do that. And um, I had this like flash of down the road, standing on stage, talking about this highly successful water bottle company.
1: This is the Thomas Industry Podcast. Welcome to today's episode of the Thomas Industry Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Travis Rochebach, the founder of the Tumalo Group and inventor of Hydroflask. As if he's not already busy enough, he's also a trained pilot. When Travis invented Hydroflask, he envisioned a reimagined way to manufacture water bottles. In this episode, we explore Hydroflask's journey from prototype to iconic end products and Travis' passion for empowering entrepreneurs to realize their big ideas. Let's get into the episode. Travis, I would never forget our correspondence when you found thomasnet.com and by one of our webinars. And we chatted about our tools and, you know, in passing, I was like, you're so interesting. I have to reach out to you and actually jump onto a call to find out more about you. Um, you You're best known for being the founder of Hydroflask, but you have founded many ventures. Can you tell us a bit more about you?
0: Well, thank you, Kathy. That was a nice intro. I appreciate it. It's, It's an honor and a pleasure to be here. So my name is Travis Rossback. I was born and, and raised uh, in Salem, Oregon, and then also back and forth in St. Croix, the U.S. Virgin Islands. And I graduated high school in, in, in 97 out of South Salem High School and moved back home to the Caribbean and became a dive master, a dive instructor. Eventually, I went on to get my 50-ton U.S. Merchant Marine Boat Captain's License did that for a number of years. I traveled all over the known lands and, and was a boat captain for a long time, thinking that was what I was going to do you know, indefinitely, forever. And then one day I decided I wanted to be a seaplane pilot. So I went back to school and became a commercial airline pilot and flew for Seaborne Airlines, St. Croix, St. Thomas, and Puerto Rico. And did that for a number of years and then took off up to Florida and became a, a jet charter pilot flying predominantly Lears, Falcons and Hawkers and, and traveled all over the country in, in jets doing that, that lifestyle. But I grew up reading Brian Tracy, Zig Ziglar, Jim Rohn, a lot of business books. I, I inherited a fairly large bookshelf when I was fairly young. There was a lot of fairlies in that sentence. And um, I, I just had a real passion to become an entrepreneur a business person. And so I got kind of burnt out with flying and living in hotels and, and eating at restaurants all the time and wanted to stay home. So I moved back home to Bend, Oregon and started a fence company and that went really well. And then um, I got cold one day and I I threw a bit of a fit, you know, and had a meltdown and I was like, I'm out of here. I'm done digging holes in rock and 20 degree weather. I'm cold. So I took off to Oahu and fell in love with just the aloha of Hawaii as a whole and moved out to Hawaii and, and um, started Oahu Science and Screen Printing, sort of a, an agency, a brand agency, where I really got to learn more about building brands and, and all the collateral that goes with what it takes to be a successful company. And one day I was thirsty and I didn't want to get any more single use plastic water bottles. So I went into the sporting goods store to get a, um, I can say it now because the statute of limitations is up, but I went in to get a Nalgene water bottle, which are plastic, and the shelf was completely empty. And they said that there was this new stuff called BPA. They weren't exactly sure what it was, it was it was a just emerging name out of Europe, but as a precautionary measure, they pulled all the bottles off the shelves there in Oahu. I said, well, who's going to fill up this wall? And they said, nobody, there's nobody else doing water bottles. And it just hit me in the back of my head. It came out my mouth. I said, I will, I will do that. And um, I had this like flash of down the road, standing on stage talking about this highly successful water bottle company. And the guy laughed at me, but at that moment like dang here i am i'm on the road to water bottles so i um you know how hard can it be i took off to shanghai to go start a water bottle empire (laughs) and uh did that for a number of years and, and grew it you know larger than i could have ever imagined and then um exited and did a lot of yoga and paddle boarding and you know reflection of who am i and what do i do And I just loved the manufacturing process. I just loved building stuff from nothing. And I loved watching the machines. And I had really, I have and had a a great Rolodex of friends and dang near family over in China that that had factories doing, you know, everything you can imagine. So I started the Tumlo Group to to help others with their manufacturing journey.
1: What I love about this story is that, it intersects with my experience in two profound ways. Number one, I grew up in Hong Kong and spent many years in Europe, but in our culture, we've always carried warm water and it's never a good idea to put it in plastic bottles. So since I was little, I always carry like a little stainless uh, stainless uh, steel bottle. On the other hand, um, my husband used to go get a coffee every morning, like, you know, nearby coffee shop, and I hated that he was using all the single use Plastics and all the wrapping, and I actually got him his first Hydro Flask coffee tumbler with all the um, injection molded topping that you can change. You know, it's it's so clever how you designed it in a modular component way. Now, a lot of the listener, Travis, on this um, podcast, are manufacturers themselves, are inventors. I love your story. You basically turn an eleven thousand dollars investment into a two hundred million dollars household. Uh, a brand right it might even worth more now can you walk us and a lot of the listeners on this uh, podcast the process from conceptualization to prototyping to manufacturing small run then you know like a scaled production run for your business
0: in the in the oahu science and screen printing we had a customer a client who talked about the canton fair And it was like this mystical, magical place where all of these factories came together under one roof for, you know, months at a time. And he would lead field trips of Westerners, Hawaiians, and whoever else wanted to go with him to Canton. And then he would help introduce them to factories. And so when the idea of a double wall vacuum-insulated water bottle came in, I asked him, I said, hey man, can I come with you to the Canton Fair? I want to do this double wall vacuum insulated water bottle, stainless steel. And he told me, no, he's like, no, man, that's stupid. There's no water bottle factories that are going to do that for you. I've checked and nobody's interested. You can't come with me. I was like, well, I just really want to go to the Canton Fair. And he was like, no, you're not coming with me because you have no business and you have no business there. And so that was kind of like, screw you, watch this. And so... I sold my surfboards, I sold my mopeds, I sold my girlfriend's moped. I got as much money as I could gather. And just um, back then we had fax machines. And I, have, I still have no like real memory how I found the first factory, but you know, cause Google was just kind of not really on the scene in China in 2006, 2007. It was just kind of not, you know, something I didn't even really know how to use very well but I managed to find a factory that, that said, yeah, sure, we will do a double ball vacuum insulated water bottle for you. And, and I was thinking metal because glass and, and metal have been around for hundreds of years, but it's really, it was heavy and it just was cumbersome and the design just wasn't great. So I wanted to design something that would be insulated so I could go to the beach and come back from surfing and have cold water. I could go hike up a mountain here and Bend, Oregon and I get to the top, and my water bottle wouldn't be frozen. So I take off, get to Shanghai, find the factory, and they're like, "No, no, no, we do plastic water bottles." I said, "Well, it says right here on your facts that you do. You're willing to do metal, double wall, vacuum insulated." Nope, we we will not do that. <laughs> so I, I thought, well, dang, I'm out everything I own, you know, plus plus more. And just as I was getting ready to leave, this guy came up and he grabbed my, my arm and he's like, hey man, I got a cousin down in Hanzhou. You should go talk to him. He might be able to help you. He helps people find factories. I'm like, I don't even know what that means, but I'm on my way to Hanzhou. So I went down to Hanzhou and, and met up with uh, Michael and his wife, Natalie. And he's like, you know, I, I don't think that this is a thing, but we can try. I said, well, I have another week, so we might as well try. We started finding factories that were willing to take a a bet on us. And then um, a week turned into months and months, and I was back and forth and back and forth. And we were literally going to the screw manufacturer to get the screws to take across town to the metal fabricator who would fabricate, you know, like we were trying to build the tools and trying to build the machines and get the, the molding done and everything was It was like everybody, I just remember I I speak no Mandarin, but it was all just like everybody would shake their heads and look at me like this guy's crazy. And it was just kind of like, yeah, yeah, watch this. Here we go. And sure enough, about eight months later, we had a couple prototypes in Oahu and went out to do a photo shoot for the, for the first website. And everybody we handed the bottles to didn't want to give them back. They're like, Nope, (laughs) I want to keep this. And, So, we did the minimum order quantity, the MOQ, I think was like 3,000. We paid for the 3,000, and it took about another eight months for them to really start to build the molds and really get the first production run. By that time, we'd run out of money, so we only got 1,500 bottles in. So, we got the 1,500 in and um, went up to Portland Saturday Market under the Burnside Bridge and set up a little card table out by the railroad tracks and just started slinging water bottles and people loved them. They, they started to get hydrated and feel good about themselves. And they just, they, they really enjoyed the brand and the, the feeling that they got from being hydrated and they'd come back and buy more. And we got the second 1500 bottles and they got another 5,000 bottles and then another 10,000 bottles and they got 40,000 bottles. And before I knew it, we were doing about, you know, 40 to 80,000 bottles a month
1: incredible story and i think what you talk about there are two aspects of it you love manufacturing you love seeing how things are being made and the actual machinery seeing you know raw materials turning into parts parts turning into components components into products that's really cool and the other aspect of it is you're basically describing a scenario where you can make an impact by creating a product that actually makes a difference imagine how many bottles um single-use bottles one hydro flask had replaced right let's actually pin like focus on this because when i met you when we had our first call i remember we laughed a lot and and also we talk about our experience in the last few years going through the pandemic and also experience a lot of supply chain issues and by that point sounds like you've already um you're successful you exited your business or something but the key thing is you're now really being a consultant helping other entrepreneurs and you're interested in reshoring and onshoring some of the invention capabilities research and development capabilities as well as production capabilities in the USA right i'd love to hear more about your thoughts what you're working on and challenges and opportunities you see in our sector
0: yeah so it's been it's been a remarkable time to be alive and 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 interacting in manufacturing. I mean, I can't imagine another time that has been as, you know, turmoil, turmoilic. I don't know. That sounds like a good word. Turmoilic, Turmultu- tumultuous. Tumultuous is probably the more articulate way to say it. It's been wild. Bringing manufacturing back home, I'm afraid it has to be one of our primary objectives. I I think that we need to be able to stand on our own two feet. And so I think it's very imperative that we build back up our manufacturing. And I thought, you know, with the Tumalo group, I I predominantly for the last, uh, I don't know, five, six, seven years, we just always look at China. I call my Rolodex and, you know, eight, 10, 15 phone calls and emails later, we've got a factory and boom, we got everything we need and we're up and rolling. Now, China has been uh, difficult to um, respond. You know, they've gone through a, a lot of lockdowns and they've lost a lot of employees through this and that and the other. And the factories have had a lot of rolling blackouts and, so I was initially really optimistic that reshoring and bringing home manufacturing would be a fairly straightforward, easy process. But I found that a lot of the factories that, that I initially was talking to, were, was talking to, they weren't really interested in working with startups. They weren't really interested in you know, small quantities. A lot of factories would just say, no, we don't have the capacity. We don't have the, the manpower. We just don't have the want. And slowly that's starting to change. And, and Thomasnet and has helped a tremendous amount in opening up other opportunities for us and finding other manufacturers. And, um, and it's, it's, it's actually kind of fun because I'm now building up my American Rolodex like I had with my Chinese Rolodex. And, you know, my Chinese counterparts, they are now doing things like molding as opposed to doing molding and production. They're now doing the molding and then shipping the molds to the factory here in the States, and then we do production here in the States. So that's that's kind of where where we where I am and where we are with the Tumla group.
1: And what is interesting also is Thomas is now part of sometry And sometry is an AI-powered digital marketplace for manufacturing. And for any inventors that actually has a design file, they can upload and get immediate quote lead time domestically, internationally. And it's really great for rapid prototyping, especially if you talk to bigger companies and they might not be willing to do one off, you know, or a few parts at a time. Um, In your experience, you work with so many developers and inventors. What are the hardest challenges going from having an idea and some sort of specification in the head to getting to a point of like a design control document where the requirements is engineering and manufacturing ready?
0: Well, I, a lot of, I mean, and I myself included, I had no idea what I had no idea about when it came to manufacturing. The terminology alone, I mean, you, there could be a dictionary of manufacturing terms. I'd buy it. There probably is. I should look it up on Amazon. But just knowing what steps and what comes before what, and, um, you know, when does this person and this company, when do, when do you design your packaging? Where do you get your packaging? Who's doing the packaging? Third-party logistics company, pick, pack, and ship. You know, all of that has to be taken into consideration. And I, and I find now more so than ever, especially working with the American factories, you kind of have to have those ducks in a row. You have to kind of have your whole blueprint lined up. So when we step into meeting with the factory, with a new client for the first time we know what the heck we're talking about because if you come in and they say you know who's you know where do we ship it to well i i don't know you know the client lives in tennessee that's not good enough you know if i say well the third-party logistics company is out of fort lauderdale so we're gonna to need to have them shipped to fort lauderdale okay good next question packaging you know so we have to kind of have all of these checklist items thought about and and sort of lined up before we get into the factories more and more. And, but it also just helps the factories as well. I mean, and I don't blame the factories in the least bit for having people cold, you know, come in off the street. That's not been their bread and butter. Their bread and butter has been the auto industry. And so Toyota or GM or Ford comes in and here's all the paperwork. You're going to do it to that. And that's that and go do that. So when we come in and we don't know what we're talking about, they have to kind of reinvent the wheel. That's not their wheelhouse to reinvent the wheel or to come up with your third-party logistics address. And so that's what we help with with the Tumlo group is making sure that we have that whole checklist prepared as we go out and, and meet with these factories.
1: Speaking of which, what are the latest projects that you can share that your group is working on today?
0: I have, uh, I have a couple that, that kind of like stand out has been um, one in particular is a baby mat company. And, and the client is American, but she lives in uh, in Europe and she has three uh, a plate mat skew, uh, multiple skews under play mat and then a bath mat and then a high chair mat. So there's three products, multiple skews because of different printing methods. But finding the factories that can do all three different substrates has been a bit of a challenge. And so now what we're looking at is okay, the plate mat might be made in Wisconsin, but the bath mat might be made in the Shenzhen area. And then the third party logistics is going to be in Santa Monica, you know? And so to bring all of these products together in the same location with the same packaging and the same branding and the same Pantones and the same substrates, um, that's, that's, a big, that's a big ask. But I love it. I love those challenges.
1: Travis, it's great hearing the story about Hydroflask and all the other projects you're working on. Uh, given your vast experience in prototyping and helping other businesses, what's the best piece of career advice you've ever heard that you can share with our audiences?
0: I, I always go back to Winston Churchill, never give up, never, never give up. I, I think that having a tenacious personality can be extremely helpful. Being curious, um, not being afraid to say, I'm not the smartest person in the room. I have a lot of questions. Um, being able to do a lot of research on your own is is helpful. Starting with the Idiot's Guide or wherever you start, I think is great. And, and then back to... Zometry, I think it's the more we can have, like with the Tumlo group, the more we can have on our side, the more that we have in our tool belt. If we have a prototype, okay, cool. Okay. Now, it, you know, the fact that we have a prototype, we're coming to a factory, we look like we know what we're doing. And so I think the more you have in your arsenal, the better you're going to be. And then just ask for everything you don't have.
1: Absolutely. And I think being able to access experts that had done it before is such a powerful tool as well. You call it the Rolodex, I call it organizational knowledge or tacit knowledge. Um, sometimes it's hard to describe how you ride a bike, but it's always good to have someone showing you how you've done this before. Now, Travis, you've been very generous with your time, so we definitely want to make sure we share more information about your services, your company. Where can we find more information about your company and the resources we discussed today?
0: Uh probably through email, Travis at Tumalogroup.com, T U M A L O G R O U P dot com. I'm also Travis Rossback, R-O-S-B-A-C-H on LinkedIn. And I, I do get around. My assistant helps me with, with uh responding to all the messages through LinkedIn also.
1: Fantastic. That wraps up our podcast today. Really thank you for your time.
0: Oh, thank you, Kathy, for having me. It's been great.
1: Thanks for listening to this episode of the Thomas Industry Podcast. If you enjoyed today's interview, please subscribe, share with a colleague or leave a review. This episode is produced by Harry Kay, directed by Brooklyn Kyoso and hosted by Kathy Marks.